Welcome to the Home Class Movie Chat, the place to get into all things movies. We'll leave no genre untouched, from romance to horror, adventure to comedy, and everything in between. We'll cover the good, the great, the bad, and the can I please get the last two hours of my life back ones you really wish that you could forget. So grab your popcorn and soda, sit back, and relax. It's time for the Home Class Movie Chat with Cat and Paul. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Home Class Movie Chat. I'm your host, Paul, and yes, unfortunately, Cat's not with us again. Hooray! Oh, that's really not that nice. You shouldn't be cheering about that. Yes, Cat's off doing something again today, so unfortunately, you're just stuck with me. But because I'm running this show, I get to do another horror movie. See, that's more appropriate to cheer for that one. But this one is going to be the 1991 American comedy horror film. That's interesting, American comedy horror film. Not really sure how they worked that one out, but we'll go with it. The People Under the Stairs. This one was done by Wes Craven. The plot follows a young boy and two adult robbers who become trapped in a house belonging to a strange couple after breaking in to steal their collection of rare coins. Um, as I said, this was written and directed by Wes Craven. Uh, the running time goes for 102 minutes, and not one part of this movie do you feel that you're dragging on, going, come on, can we get this moving? It's actually rather, uh, you know, a really good um, paced movie. The budget was $6 million, but that was just blown out of the water. The box office took $31.4 million for this movie. I'm going to play the trailer because I'm running this show and it is awesome. And when I come back, I'm just going to let you give you a little bit of an idea of how Wes Craven came up with this movie. So in saying that, let's play the trailer. In every neighborhood, there is one house that adults whisper about and children cross the street to avoid. Now, Wes Craven, creator of A Nightmare on Elm Street, takes you inside. Something's in here. But we gotta get out of here, Leroy. All sorts of rumors about what goes on in that house. The police never took it serious. She's been feeding that thing between the walls again. Very, very tense about this. There must be another way out. Can't get out. No one ever has. What goes on in this house is a sin. Your father's one sick mother, you know that? Actually, your mother's one sick mother, too. But what goes on under the stairs is a nightmare. It is time to clean house! Help me in Cravens, the people under the stairs. Okay, so not a bad trailer on that one. So as I said, I was going to let you know how Wes Craven came up with this one. So Craven had stated that the people under the stairs was partially inspired by a news story from the late 1970s in which two burglars broke into a Los Angeles household, inadvertently causing the police to discover two children had been locked away by their parents. The film was a surprise commercial success and received generally mixed reviews 
and positive reviews from critics and audiences, and has been analysed for its satirical de depiction, I should say, my mouth is not working right now, of gentrification, class war warfare, and capitalism. Yeah, I'll go with that, absolutely. So as we get ready to uh, dive into this movie, I just want to make sure and point out that if you've ever wanted to see this movie, and you've thought, oh, I'd like to see it, but I haven't had a time, whatever, go and watch this movie now. It's well worth the effort, but before you do, make sure you come back and listen to us because, hey, we need all the support we can get and all the three audience members that are continuously coming to listen to us. I think we need to get some more people in on the uh, the whole idea of our podcast. <laughs> but uh, remember, as always, there will be spoilers. And you know what that sound means. That means that there will be spoilers and I don't want to spoil it for you, so... Please make sure if you want to see this movie, go off, watch it now, and then come back and you can listen to this awesome podcast. Okay, so let's get into this movie. So Poindexter Full Williams is a resident of a Los Angeles ghetto. So the movie actually opens up where you see um, tarot cards and this person talking about uh, what their, their future or this year is going to hold. And we don't know who's having the, the cards read or who's getting the cards read. But anyway, you see this being um, played out as, and it's being told that, you know, you've got this in your future and that in your future and this year is going to be a hard one for you and, and such and such. And you really, you don't, you don't really know what's going on, but you're only in, for, say, the first 10 seconds of the movie, so it doesn't really matter anyway. But uh, the American ghetto, the Los Angeles ghetto, um, this family is being evicted um, from their apartment by the landlords, the Robertsons. So... Um, the mother, who is rather sick, um, we don't know what's wrong with her at this stage, but she is sick, and um, there's this other young girl who looks like, obviously, is the sister. She's dating this guy called Leroy, and Leroy, Ving Rhymes, this was one of his first um, movie debuts, basically pulls this young kid aside and says, listen, you know, you can't afford to pay your rent, and there's not much that we can do, and, and we, you know, you've got to find some money somehow. But I've got an idea. Uh, there's this family that happens to own this building, and owns many many buildings throughout the ghetto, and systematically is getting rid of people out of the neighborhood, but we can get them back, we can get some, some cash from them, because they have got something in their basement. I know this for a fact, because there's been so many rumors throughout the neighborhood and throughout the ghetto, that I'm thinking to believe that it really is, is real. So... He basically enlists a uh, friend's help to go to the house. Now, they're going to go and scope out the house. Obviously, as criminals do, they need a little bit of a lookout. So they have Poindexter, full, actor's lookout. But then they decide, hang on a minute, he actually would be uh, more believable to, to come along and play the, 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 the patsy sort of situation. So they dress him up in a Boy Scout uniform and send him around to this, uh, this house and basically says that uh, pretend that you need to go to the bathroom. And so he's like, well, do you really think that this, this is going to work? And he's like, yeah, of course it will. You know, you've been out here all day, you've been wandering the streets, and you need to go to the bathroom. So anyway, he goes and knocks on this uh, this house, and the Robinsons, who believe to be a married couple, call themselves Mummy and Daddy. They have a daughter named Alice. We haven't seen Alice yet. We haven't been introduced to her yet. Don't know why the, the uh, plot's being revealing this right now. But they have a daughter by the name of Alice. So anyway, Fool goes to the front door, well, actually goes to a side door and knocks on the door and says, you know, hi, I'd like to, would, I was wondering if you'd like to buy some cookies. And she goes, no, no, I'm sorry, we don't, uh, we, we watch our diet here and we're very, very cautious of what we eat. So no, you can't. And he goes, okay, well, is there any chance that I could possibly 
um, use your bathroom because they leave us out here all day and I need to go to the toilet. And of course, <laughs> the, the mother, we call her mummy right now, says, uh, yeah, no, no, you can't. So you're just going to go on your way, just leave leave the house, go away. And he's like, oh, that's that's okay, that that's fine. And of course, the woman says, go on, off you go. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I'm going, I'm going. So anyway, she shuts the door and you know, doesn't think any more of it. Um, at this stage, Fool is just standing near or squatting near a, um, a little fish pond, not doing anything, just sitting there and trying to work out, okay, well, you know, Leroy and um, this guy, Spencer, wants me to go into the house and to try and find where these mysterious money or coins are. So, you know, how am I going to get in? And of course, he uh, he's momentarily distracted and looks up on the third floor and there's a little girl looking out towards him. And of course, he waves and then of course, she pulls the the uh, curtains to the side, you know, to make sure that she's not seen clearly enough. And he's trying to work out, all right, fair enough, I don't know really what's uh, what's going on, but anyway, I'll just go back to the van that's driving around and tell Spencer and Leon exactly what the hell's going on and the fact that I couldn't get into this house. There's no, there's no chance in hell. So anyway, he heads back to the van and, uh, of course, they're, <laughs> they're sitting in the van and um, poor, old, poor old fool gets in the back and he goes, okay, so tell me, uh, what what was it all about? What's what's the scoping out like? And he's like, um, yeah, they, they wouldn't let me through the front door. And he goes, you're kidding me. And he goes, no. And he goes, so what sort of alarms? And he goes, I don't know. And he goes, well, so you didn't get into the house. Didn't you say you needed to go to the toilet? And he goes, yeah, of course I did. But of course, they weren't going to allow me to get into the house. And he goes, well, I don't, what the hell are we going to do now? And of course, Leon's like, well, we've got to come up with another plan. And Spencer then pulls the van over to the side of the road and gets into the back of the van. And he has a, uh, a, municipal, a municipal worker's uniform and says, okay, well, you never send a boy to do a man's job. So he goes into back to the house and knocks on the door and says, uh, you know, hi, ma'am, I'm here to check the electricity. And he goes, well, she says, well, we've had no problems with the electricity and the meter is just over there. And he goes, yes, I know the meter's there. We've already checked that one. But there is one in the basement that I need to check. And you just see the woman's look on her face like, oh, really? Do you now? Okay. So she says, all right, well, then you can go come into the house. So he, he wanders through the house and playing the, 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 the part of being a municipal worker and goes into the basement. And of course, then shortly after that, you see the woman get into this car or her car and drive off. And of course, at this stage, Leon is saying to Fool, are you kidding me? She let him stay in the house all by himself while he was, while he's supposed to be this worker checking stuff out. No, 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 things, things doesn't, it doesn't sound right. So he gets out of the car with Fool and he runs towards the house and manages to break in and starts to try and find where Spencer is. So as, they, as they're running through the house, they're, they're looking around different areas and of course Fool breaks away from um, Leon and goes exploring himself. Little does he know that he's going to be copying a whole lot of crap coming up because in the meantime, they're running around trying to find where the hell Spencer's gone and they're listening through, you know, walls, they're going through doors and whatever. And uh, no, there, there is absolutely no area that Spencer's been in. However, good old um, Fool manages to find the basement and, you know, starts to investigate. He comes across what he thinks is Spencer laying on the ground looking for something. But of course, as he rolls him over, there is Spencer and he is very, very white. So it looks like he's been scared to death. And Fool comes up with a great, great little line that says, man, if I thought you were a white guy before this, man, you're whiter than that now. And happens to see that in his hand, 
Spencer is holding a gold coin and works out that oh my god the the rumors are true this is this is actually real this they do have gold coins and then at that stage you then see Spencer's body being pulled out from where he is in under the underneath the stairs and so he runs upstairs and he happens to find Leon who has got his head in a um like a <clears throat> it's like a vent and he goes up to him and he taps him and of course Leon just jumps up and is like oh, you scared me to death and he goes well you know <laughs> I thought you were dead and he goes man just because a guy is laying down on the ground doesn't mean he's dead and he goes hang on a minute he said I heard something down there um why don't you go in there and check it and he's like I'm not gonna go in there and check it and he goes listen did you find Spencer and he goes yeah I found Spencer and if you thought he was white before he is whiter than white now and he's dead but I found this and he shows him this gold coin and of course, Leon then says, okay, well, we've got to get out of here because we just need to get out of here. They're, they're going to be coming back any minute. And of course, as they run towards the front door, this this couple have got the most high-tech security system ever, in, in <laughs> absolutely ever. And um, at that, see, this is one thing that I actually found really strange with this movie is that when they had um, the van, I would have parked the van out the, the front of the house or down the, down the block. To make sure that it wasn't noticeable, but of course, as this man and woman pulled up pull up to the house, these two idiots who had the van have driven it into their driveway. So all the way up. So as they get out of the car, they go towards the van, and, and of course, the mother says, "We call her Mummy." She says, "Mummy, um, oh sorry, Daddy says to Mummy, what the hell is that?" And she says, "Well." I don't know. There was a, a van. There was a you know a guy that came in to check the electricity meter, and you know, and I dealt with him the way that I should deal, deal with him. And of course, then they open up the the back of the van and says, "Aha!" and happens to see the girl, the uh, the Boy Scout uniform sitting in the back of the van. And he, of course, she then goes to Daddy. Yeah, there's another one, and he's inside with our little angel Alice. And then of course, this starts the whole chain of events. So in this meantime, you know, Leon is trying to get out of the house, trying to get um, full out of the house, and Mummy and Daddy have this big friggin' Rottweiler. And of course, Leon looks and goes, "Oh my God! Do, do you know what they these Rottweilers do? They can rip you apart and try to find they they try to find a place to hide. They've got no idea where where they ought, ought to hide." Daddy comes in and presses a button and basically seals off the entire house. So security doors, windows, everything is bolted shut. There's no way they're going to come out. They are trapped in this house. And of course, he says to um, Fool, you know, run, you know, get, go and hide somewhere. At that moment, you see Daddy come around the corner. Now, he is dressed in a full body imp suit. Now, I, those of us that don't know what an imp suit is, if you've never seen um, Pulp Fiction, the only way that I can explain it is it's a BDSM outfit it's all leather they've got a hood they've got a mask whatever um it's some sort of sex fetish that you do don't know what that is all about but i don't do it it doesn't matter um but he's dressed head to toe and he's carrying a shotgun and of course he is um of course then he sends the house into darkness and he's got this spotlight on the on the um on his uh, shotgun and he's wandering around trying to find where fool and leon are at that moment uh Leon happens to come around the corner and hit him with a crowbar, drops him to the floor and starts to beat the shit out of him and goes to run. Of course, at that moment, Daddy picks up the shotgun and blasts him and hits his leg. And when he cra you know, collapses to the floor, he says, run, fool, run. And the, obviously, this guy, Daddy, 
doesn't understand <laughs> that yeah, I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to the little boy that's trying to get out of your house. And at that moment, he then blasts another shotgun blast and into his chest and knocks him down the stairs. And of course, now Leon is dead. And so now we've got the whole celebration with mummy and daddy, you know, celebrating quite excitedly that they've killed an intruder in the house. But she says, however, did you find the other one, the Boy Scout? And he's like, no, I haven't found that one yet, but I'm going to start hunting. And he starts hunting around the house. Now, there is something about this house that is a little bit unique. There are, as they've said, not only people under the stairs, but there is people under the walls. And the person in the walls, Daddy's afraid of, and he does not like to go into the walls to try and find somebody. Now, when I say people in the walls, it's not like your conventional just drywall. It's passageways and it's it's areas that people can run through. So this is a pretty big friggin' house. So it's almost like a house within a house. And of course, you know, he's trying to, you know, Fool's trying to, trying to find some way out of this house. He's got no idea which way to go. He's running up, up the stairs. He runs up to the, to the very top of the stairs and happens to open this door. And there's Alice. And Alice is a young girl. She is extremely, extremely pain, uh, pale. Um, she's absolutely terrified. She's never seen another human being because she's been trapped in this house. And, um, of course, you know, the only people that she associates with, as we know, as we come to learn, is one of the people in the stairs, sorry, in the walls, not under the stairs, in the walls, called Roach. He, she is also terrified of the people under the stairs. And at this moment, um, Fool gets a chance to actually sit there and talk to her while, you know, Daddy's running around the house. And says, you know, hi, my name is, is Fool, and, you know, what's your name? And she says, Alice, and he goes, okay, well, I'm trying to get out of the house. And she says, you can't, no one ever has. And he says, who are those people under the stairs? And she says, those are people that are put under the stairs because Daddy thinks that they're, they're bad. So they're either being municipal workers, or um, what she basically says is that they've, they've adopted children who have been bad, and they've put the boys underneath the stairs. So those people under the stairs are not only, you know, workers that have come into the house, but people that they've adopted, and suddenly the boys have gone, uh, have become bad, and they've put them underneath the stairs. Alice says, I don't go underneath the stairs. It, it It's very, very scary under there. And at that moment, um, Roach happens to bust out from the wall and, of course, introduce himself, but he can't talk. Roach has had his tongue cut off because he spoke back to Daddy. And as Alice says, um, if you say something bad, you'll be punished. And if you see something bad, you'll go underneath the stairs. Roach said something bad and Daddy cut his tongue off. And then, of course, he was then banished to the, to the the um, underneath the stairs. But he happened to find his way into um, the walls and he lives in the walls now. So, he's, so, of course, Fool's like, okay, well, I've got to get the hell out of here. And she said, well, you can't. And, of course, he goes, what's up the very, very top? And she says, it's just an attic. And he goes, okay, well, that's the only way that we can get out. So he happens to go up there with Alice. And they open up this um, this window. And, of course, it's a sheer drop. I mean, when I say a sheer drop, it's like two-story drop down to the ground. And But he realizes that, hang on a minute, there is a little um, pond down the bottom. So I could jump through there. And, she, and he says to Alice, well, come with me. And she goes, well, what is out there? Now, she's terrified. She's never been out in the real world. So she's got no idea what's out there beyond um, beyond these walls. And he says, well, you know, it's it's people. You know, you can get out, you can be safe. And, of course, at that moment, you see the, the door bust open and there's Daddy with the shotgun. 
at that very at that very moment, um, Fool has to make a run for it, and he jump and leapfrogs basically out the window, drops two stories, and hits the the fish pond. Luckily, manages to hit the fish pond, gets out of the out of the water, and runs absolutely runs away. And of course, Daddy busts open the uh, the the door to the outside and fires his shotgun. Of course, Mummy then comes out and says, "Daddy, don't you ever fire the shotgun out there." And he's like, but he got away. And she says, well, I don't care who got away. You never, ever fire your shotgun outside. You know, you'll attract the police. And, he, and of course, he's like, you know, burn in hell. Because that's his, that's his catchphrase in this movie, burn in hell. So Fool has escaped. And he is now running back to the projects. Um, now, when I say he's running back, he's not only running back to the projects with just one gold coin. Alice happens to give him a bag of gold coins. So now he's got maybe... 10 gold coins in his hand and he runs off to basically show his grandfather and to show his mother um, what he got. Now these gold coins are going to help his mother get the treatment that she needs because he can send her to hospital and of course when he goes and he shows his grandfather, the grandfather says man well you've got enough in here to basically last to you know as far as paying your rent to say the year 2000. Now this was 1991 so in 1991 as we all know we thought the year 2000 was miles away. Well, now we're in 2021, um, and it's not that far away. <laughs> it hasn't been that far away. So when they say the year 2000, it was like, oh, my God, that's a lot of money, you know. But the grandfather says we are going to, you know, basically take this, um, this these coins, and we're going to have it properly appraised to make sure that we're not going to get ripped off. Now, I do want to point out as we go along that um, during the conversation that Alice had with um, Full. She pointed out that the people downstairs, um, I guess they're happy in their own sort of way, and they get some sort of food there. She's not really not sure exactly what it is that she gets. Well, if you don't like squeamish, yuck, disgusting blood, don't watch this movie. Actually, no, go, go ahead and watch it. It's a good idea. Um, now, Leon's body has still been laying on the uh, parlor floor of the house, and uh, unfortunately, Alice has marched downstairs and... Uh, happens to slide in a whole lot of blood and she's told by um the uh the mother to help drag this guy's body down down into the basement now she doesn't go down to the basement they don't allow her to go down but at this moment they do because she needs to help um, remove this body um in the meantime the father daddy hangs leon's body up on a hook and starts to gut him and of course uh in the process he's in the middle of eating parts of this guy's body and happens to throw um, some entrails and liver and lungs and kidneys and whatever to the people underneath the stairs. So when Alice says, I guess they get some sort of food, yeah, they certainly do. And I would definitely say that their dog, um, Prince, uh, it definitely gets better food than anyone in this whole house. Um, of course, Alice then is is told off because she got her, her dress bloody which it wasn't the, the little girl's fault. I mean, she, you know, she had, she was told by the father, you know, to, um, you know, it's the father and the mother to clean up the, uh, the blood. Of course, then the mother then happens to drag Alice up the stairs and there is a, there's not, not only, not, it's not a warm bath. It's not a hot bath. It is a scalding bath and happens to throw Alice into this scalding bath. And you know immediately as she hits the water, it is scalding hot, and she screams at the top of her lung trying to get out of the bath. The mother just keeps her in there, and 
The next scene you see she's in her bedroom and her bo- her body is just red, like absolute red raw because she's been scalded. And of course the mother is is you know brushing her hair saying, "Oh, now who loves you?" And he and of course she goes, "You do, mummy." And she goes, "Yes, I do." And you know, if you ever misbehave, you go underneath the stairs with the rest of the boys and you know what happens under there, don't you? And of course that's enough to scare the living shit out of um out of Alice for sure. So we go back to where the grandfather and Fool are talking at the kitchen table and um, he's, he's talking with the sister as well about getting an ambulance to bring mum to the hospital or whatever and says, listen, you know, you be very careful about those those two, that brother and sister. And he goes, sorry, what? What brother and sister? And he says, that house you went to, the house that you got these coins, they're not husband and wife, they're brother and sister. And the uh, little girl that they've got, they were accused of being child kidnappers. So this little girl, Alice, who's been locked in this house, isn't even their daughter. This is a child that's been snatched off the street. And of course, Fool has that whole thing like, well, I've got to go back and save Alice because she depends on me. And of course, um, uh, Fool's sister says, I pulled another card out of the um, deck to see, out of the, um, the tarot deck, to see what else your future holds for you and I pulled the death card and you be careful fool and he's like I've got to go there and I've got to free Alice and who knows I might might be able to get more money and also free those people underneath the stairs so you know fool's definitely got a heart of gold and the movie really revolves around him and the fact that he's willing to go and sacrifice himself for Alice in the meantime we find that Alice has been taken up to the very top of the attic and she's been um basically nailed to a wall there's um there's a hook into the into a wall and she's now hanging from from that um her hands are above her head and she's basically you know yeah she can't move and of course fool goes to the house and realizes that that um okay there's only one way in maybe i can go through the chimney and goes down the chimney and happens to knock a uh he's happens to knock a couple of bricks out the way and sees that alice is is there and says, well, you know, how do I get, how do I get you out of here? And she says, well, there should be a hook, a little bit further up. So he actually manages to knock the the pin out and release her. And he then comes out of the out of the chimney and embraces Alice and basically says, listen, I've uh, I found some things out that you're not going to like, and my grandfather doesn't lie to me. But those people that are claiming that they're your mother and father, um, they're not your mother and father. They're actually brother and sister. They actually snatched you. You they were they were child um, snatchers. They're not your real parents. And he says, so we've got to get out of here. So how about we go the way that I left last time and jump into the pond? And she says, no, we can't do that because the moment that you left, after you left, Daddy released all the water and filled it with broken glass. And he's like, ah, okay, that's going to be a problem. We've now got a, got a bit of a problem going on because we are. I'm now back into this house. I can't leave this house. What the hell's going on? So at that at that crucial moment, Daddy comes bursting through the door. Again, he's got this great timing. He bursts through, through the door in his imp costume, shotgun in hand, and goes to shoot um, full. Alice manages to take him down and knock him off his feet. And then at that moment, Roach comes out from the wall and grabs Fool and Alice and runs them back into the wall. Unfortunately, Roach doesn't get very far because um, as he's running the kids into the wall, um, Daddy fires his shotgun and he actually hits Roach. And of course, Roach, you know, it falls over 
and they drag him further and further back into the into the walls to try and save him but unfortunately Roach succumbs to his injury of a shotgun blast obviously and passes away there is the end of Roach and his help throughout this house of absolute horror through uh, with um Fool and with Alice now one thing I love about this kid Fool is that he is he's got a such a great heart but he also manages to beat the shit out of daddy at every turn when he gets a chance to but unfortunately at one stage um he doesn't get very far he actually gets captured by um daddy and thrown into the basement into where the people under the stairs are but happens to explain to those guys that um you know we can get up we can get out of the house we can get out into, into some fresh air you can get to to be with the women are um, and they actually direct him to where all the, this this room is, where all this gold coins, all the gold coins are. Now there is a backstory to this, and basically they started out as a family that ran a funeral home, um, selling cheap coffins for expensive prices. Before they decided to enter the real estate business, leading them to become greedier and more unhinged. So full, uh, yeah, full vows to help right the wrong, and he reports the Robinsons to child welfare as the police are investigating the house. Obviously, Fool sneaks back in to reunite with Alice, which is, that, thank God, he does um, rescue her and basically says, once again, they are not your parents. We need to get the hell out of here. So, unfortunately, Mummy finds out that Alice knows the truth and believes that Fool has turned against them. So, she attempts to kill Alice. Now, this is a really poignant part of the movie. So, she's um, she's found to be in the, in the, the kitchen. So, the police leave and... Of course, you know, the, the doors, the back door's been opened so the police can come in and out. And, and they were putting on this really great persona as, as, oh, you know, everything's wonderful. This is a wonderful house and, you know, this and that. And so the police leave and, of course, they go back to their maniacal ways. And, of course, Daddy says, well, you know, the back door was left open for such a long time. Are you sure none of them got out? And uh, she said, well, I couldn't keep, you know, um, watch at the back door all the time, Daddy. So I don't know what, what whether they did or whether they didn't. I don't know. And of course, at that stage, Alice says to Fool, I've got to unlock the entire house. The control panel is actually in the kitchen. So if I release that, it will actually be un, yeah, undone. The whole house will be open. Of course, unfortunately, Mummy finds Alice in the uh, in the kitchen and, and basically corners her and says, what are you doing? And she says, you know, you know, I'm trying to undo all the doors. And she says, well, be a good daughter and get back in your room. And she says, I am not your daughter and you are not my mother. And of course, at that stage, mummy then just decides to go, okay, and pulls this huge butcher knife from behind her pack and basically says, yeah, burn in hell and goes to attack Alice. Well, at that, at that moment, the cannibal children charge at mummy, causing her to flee and run into a knife held by Alice. So what actually happens is that she drops the knife and out of the cupboards, out of the walls, out of the floors, these kids are breaking out, helping and saving Alice. Alice, in the meantime, grabs a hold of the, the, the kitchen knife and is holding it there to protect herself. Well, at that moment, she turns to look at Alice and, and runs towards Alice, away from these guys that are trying to kill her, and runs straight into the knife. And then, of course, says, you know, what? look what you did to your mother, and drops, you know, obviously drops dead. The father comes into the, the whole picture of Mummy's dead on the ground and there's all the kids basically standing there ready to, to kill him. So now at this stage, Daddy decides, oh, fuck this, I'm getting out of here and flees into the basement. Don't know why he went into the basement because that was probably the worst place for you to go because you're going to get cornered in there. But he happens to hear these coins that are dropping and 
he goes into the vault and he says, yeah, and obviously he thinks that the fool's in, in the vault and says, yeah, I've done that many, many times. I've sat there and I've counted and I've, I've run the gold coins through my hands and I felt how wonderful they feel. And before he actually got into the basement, uh, fool basically found all the explosives that he'd, he'd been keeping or that he'd been keeping and set charges for them. <laughs> and Daddy comes around the corner, and there's Fool standing there at the door, detonator in hand, saying, you know, you come one step closer, and I'm going to blow this place up. And he goes, no, you're not going to do that. And he goes, yeah, don't don't even try me. I will definitely blow this place up. Of course, at that moment, Daddy decides, fuck this, I'm going to attack you anyway. So Daddy goes to grab him, and he does, to his word, Fool does blow the house up causing the money to blow up through the crematorium chimney and into the crowd of people outside. So at that, at what had happened is that um, the neighborhood had been alerted to the fact that this was all going on. There were children trapped in the house um, and they were basically following where Fool had gone and the entire community had been standing out in front of this house wanting to speak to the owners. And obviously at that stage, uh, when Mummy was alive, she basically fobbed these people off and said, yeah, get the fuck out of here. you got nothing... Go back to your measly little places and, you know. But, of course, they're trying to get into the house to save the kids. Well, the explosion happens. Money goes absolutely everywhere over the crowd. And you see the people that were underneath the stairs walk out. And, basically, they just blend into the crowd. But these people have, have, are so emaciated and, you know, they're just, they just... They, they look terrifying. They really do. They would be perfectly content um, underneath the stairs when you look at them because they really look shocking. But full releases them all, thank God, which is which is wonderful. The people and the children that were underneath the stairs venture into the night unnoticed by the other people. The camera goes black, and that is the end of the movie. So at the end of every episode, we like to give a score between 0 to 5 movie reels. 0 being, where can I get the last two hours of my life back? To 5 being, it was an absolutely perfect movie, and I would watch it again. Um, I would definitely give this one, okay, for me... Because I'm a horror nerd and I absolutely love horror. Blood, guts and gore. Give me more of that. I would give it a solid hmm, 3.75. There weren't re really any glaring problems in the movie. Um, but as I said, there will be there'll be people that will sit there and go, Yeah, no thanks. Too much blood, too much guts, too much gore. Not interested. You know, it's it's not the the most solid um, storyline. I've I've always thought it was actually really quite good, and I I did enjoy that one. I would give it a definitely a solid three point seven five. Yeah, I'll give that one. So before we end the podcast, I always like to do Paul's fun facts, but today I'm going to do Paul's creepy fun facts. So, did you realize that your cell phone is more disgusting than a public toilet? Your cell phone has 10 times more bacteria on it than the average public restroom. Ooh, how gross. That's vile. But I guess that's true because we hold it up to our face and, you know, our hands go all over it. And yeah, I think it's, but yeah, that's disgusting. Ugh. <laughs> Makes you want to look at your mobile phone now and suddenly go out and clean it, doesn't it? <laughs> so, do you know that doctors might be killing us? Yep, I know, it's a bit dramatic, but it's interesting to know that roughly 250,000 deaths are caused by medical errors each year. That is rather scary, but I'm thinking that this might have been written a, a little while ago before they had computers, 
because now computers are up and running in doctor's surgeries. They tend to type a lot more than they write. Um, so I think that could possibly be reduced, definitely. Um, but yeah, 250,000 people die each year caused by medical errors of doctors. Man, that that is really, that's, that's scary. So do you know that you could be trapped in a coma-like state and be aware of it? Locked-in syndrome might be just the most terrifying medical condition ever. It's when you are stuck between asleep and awake. You know you're awake and you can hear and see things around you. However, you can't talk and can only move your eyes so you're unable to respond to anything. I've actually heard situations like this where people have been in the middle of uh, of going into operations and have been under, supposed to be under, but they suddenly wake up during the operation. They can't move and they can hear everything around them and including they can also feel what's being done to them. If that is not the case of being absolutely terrified of going into surgery, I don't know what is. But yeah, there is uh, such a condition. Uh, it is called locked-in syndrome. That That's scary. And just one final one to round out the podcast. Your cat may sense when you're dying. A pet named Oscar resided in a nursing home and was believed to be able to tell when one of the residents would soon die. He'd sleep beside them until they passed. Isn't that nice? That at least that way you're not completely alone when you pass away. But yeah, I've, I've always realized that, that animals have a higher instinct than, than us and they can actually see things that we can't see. And obviously at this stage that they would know something that we don't know. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to the Home Class Movie Chat with Paul and Kat. I'm hoping that Kat will be back next week and we can do um, another episode together. I've loved doing this by myself, but it's always nice to have someone to bounce off of and talk to about the movies that uh, that we view. If you want to get in contact with us, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Home Class Movie Chat. And you can also email us directly at hello at homeclassmoviechat.com. Once again, I hope that Kat will be back. And uh, just to make sure that she is still in the show, I will say we'll see you at the movies. Thank you for joining us for the Home Class Movie Chat with Kat and Paul. Home Class Movie Chat is produced and edited by Create Your Change. If you would like to launch a podcast, please visit createyourchange.com.au. Please follow Home Class Movie Chat on social media and sign up for our newsletter at homeclassmoviechat.com so you can keep up with the latest news and promotions. We hope you enjoyed yourself today and will join us next time. If you did enjoy today's episode, please leave a review on the platform where you listen to this podcast. 